I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the- Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Steve. I'm an Arsenal fan. I run a website called findpubsport.com where you can find nearby venues to watch sport, and you can find us on Twitter at findpubsport. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Mark. I'm a Liverpool fan. Uh, yeah, I don't run any, any any websites, but I do talk on Twitter every now and again. Uh, you can follow me, if you wish, at Mr. Mark Simpson. Hey, I'm Charlotte. I'm a Hull City fan, uh, part of fans group Tigerlink. Um, we've got a website, tigerlink.co.uk, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can just find us by putting in Tigerlink, but we're at HCAFC Tigerlink on Twitter. Great. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been going on at our clubs this week. Steve, what's going on over at Arsenal? Well, it's been a slightly frustrating week, um, as frustrating as it can be in the same week when you've been kind of finally guaranteed, mathematically, Champions League football. Um, But it saw the end of a really good run, uh, and uh, the the 1-0 loss at Swansea at home kind of saw the end, uh, plus uh, Manchester City's win over Swansea yesterday, has meant that between those two games, Swansea has pretty much ended our run at second place. Uh, so thanks for that, the Swans. I used to like them, but not, not so much anymore. Um, Shout no, out to Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Scott. He was on my podcast this week, uh, and I was talking about how much I love the Swans, but that was before their result yesterday. Um, but the 1-0 loss to Swansea, fair enough. Uh, we didn't take our chances, and they did. Uh, they had one chance in the second half and it and it wasn't saved by um, a goalkeeper who probably should have saved it. So for the, for everyone who said that they didn't play the right kind of football or, or anything like that, I think it's fair to say they did play the right kind of football because they stopped us from scoring goals and then they scored a goal, which means they won. So I think that's the definition of playing the right kind of football. Um, today's match... Uh, against Manchester United, almost as frustrating. They got the first half goal through um, Herrera. Uh, it was a good goal as well. Um, fortunately, we uh, after our slow first 60 minutes, we brought on Wilshire and Walcott. Um, and interesting, interestingly, we moved Coquelin to right back and took Bellerin off. Um, so whether Bellerin's got a little bit of a niggle... Uh, remains to be seen because usually in that situation he would have just done the straight swap and put Coughlin back on the bench uh, in place of Wilshire I think but it was an interesting decision to move Coughlin to right back where he hasn't played all season so I can only assume it was something to do with uh, injury as opposed to something tactical but once that happened it seemed like we came awake came alive for the last 30 minutes and we were really turning the screw uh, bit by bit 
putting Manchester United under a lot of pressure until uh, Walcott managed to uh, skillfully deflect that ball past Valdez off of um, off of Blackett. <laughs> so uh, that was very <laughs> that was very very handy. Um, and then a, a sign that perhaps those who don't think that Arsene Wenger is pragmatic enough, um, a sign that maybe he's sort of changing his ways or has always been more pragmatic than we realise, because when we needed a goal, he put on Wilshire and Walcott, um, who are both known for their bursts of pace. And that was something we were sorely lacking in that first 60 minutes, because the passing wasn't getting us out of the uh, the. Or, or into the final third. So he brought on two players who, with a burst of pace, can get you there with the ball, carrying the ball. Because Sanchez, um, every time he got the ball, he was very effectively closed down by at least two United players. That was a that was a noticeable tactic of theirs. Um, but then once we'd got the goal back, ordinarily you would expect Arsene Wenger to then go chasing the win. Um, and we did put a lot of pressure on them after that, but then we brought on Flamini, um, to shore up the 1-1 draw because in terms of what's going on in the league it's unlikely we are going to get second place now but if we'd have lost that game that sec- that goal by Walcott or the own goal by Blackett in the context of the season as it's unfolded now could actually end up being a very important goal because if we'd have gone behind Manchester United the pressure would have been on to win both of our final games to guarantee that third spot and avoid the Champions League playoff. Um, which we've had to go through for the last few years. But by scoring that goal, it now means that all we need uh, is one win from our last two games, both at home against Sunderland and West Brom. So in the context of how the Premier League has unfolded, that is a very important goal um, made by Walcott, scored by Blackett. Lucky enough that Valdez was unable, he was unlucky, I think, um, in the way that the deflection kind of curled round his hand. But um, I'll take it. Um, and while we're on the subject of Valdez and his former club Barcelona, the other bit of Arsenal news this week, which is quite funny, uh, is the news that Thomas Vermaelen, having not played <laughs> Barcelona for the entire season, uh, just because we sold them to sold him to them, um, if they win the Champions League, Arsenal get three million pounds as part of that sale. Um, so I'm not sure how that works. I'm not sure why they didn't say as long as he plays at least. 10% of the games and they win the Champions League you can have some money just no, nope, just as long as the club wins the Champions League if, even if he hasn't contributed a kick um, Arsenal get £3 million which is, a, which is a very handy bit of pocket money if we are going to go uh, looking at goalkeepers this summer um, other than that I, had a, I watched with interest the Villa result on, uh, on Saturday obviously with the FA Cup in mind FA Cup final in mind <laughs> coming up um, and what did look like a resurgent Villa now look fragile again after uh, after what was a battering in that first half. So whether that's just a blip or or whether that's a sign that once Villa was safe, they've actually got a bit more complacent again. Be interesting to see which Aston Villa turn up for the FA Cup final. I fear it's going to be the uh, the better one because obviously it's going to be easy for Tim Sherwood to get them up for it because it's a cup final. But um, but it's good to know that they can take a battering. Uh, if you can get in on them early. So I'm hoping that Arsene Wenger was watching that with as much interest as I was. So a frustrating week, but um, can't complain too much because there are a lot of teams in a worse position. Uh, so that's Arsenal at the moment. It's quite interesting that uh, the Malin has now won as many La Ligas as Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> that is very interesting. Yes. I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> All right, fun um, fact Mark... for you right there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mark, uh, 
uh, is there anything to talk about other than uh, Jared's retirement? No. No, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Did anybody watch like the build-up to the game yesterday? Did, I, I watched the actual match. And, well, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that there was one mention about any Crystal Palace player in the pre-match build Not one <laughs> mention. I, I don't think even a Liverpool scouting team or coaching team went through any of the potential uh, risks that Crystal Palace may have to offer because if anybody watched the match, and unfortunately I watched most of it, majority of it, um, it was uh, it, it was a... Uh, a game where it was like a, a post-season friendly played in, uh, um, in 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 season, which is uh, which was in, insane. But uh, no, it's, 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 it was a crazy game. Um, like it was a game that everyone will just talk about Stephen Jarrod. Everyone from the Liverpool side of things will just forget about the result. The the, the post-match. The, the pretty much the post-match sort of speech to the fans and and, and like the last minute of, of injury time was something I'll never forget. Um, and it, it's it's a it's a you know it's, it's quite a good way to see off uh, you know a club legend. Um, ideally, we'd be have one more important game coming up at Wembley in in, in a couple of weeks' time. But thanks to tactics, Timmy, uh, that, that's not to be. Yeah, uh, Charlotte. Uh, obviously, I know how your match went this weekend and apologize not only for beating you, but also giving you so many mediocre players that have gotten you into this mess. But aside from that, what's been going on over at Hull? Um, yeah, not the not the most positive and cheerful week um, I've ever known as a Hull City fan. But um, yeah, uh, it's kind of after after playing Burnley and just putting on the most uninspiring, just, just a really 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 disappointing performance um i mean with, with all through the season it's not if we go down it's not because we don't we haven't beaten the likes of tottenham it's because we haven't beaten the likes of burnley and um i don't know there's too many to there's too many to think of there's four or five games i did have in my head but there's games where you look at them and you're going yeah we should have we should have won them and we could have won them. And I don't quite know what it would take for the players to get, I don't know. There's something, there's something not worked all season. And it's like yesterday, apparently I didn't go, thank goodness, but um, we played pretty well. And that's kind of been the story of the season against the teams in and around us that at the start of the season, we would, those games we would mark off. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a game we need to look to win. Um, we we haven't been able to do enough. And then against the better teams, like the top six teams, we've actually put in some really good performances. And for whatever reason, still haven't got anything out of the game. So we're now looking at, obviously, it's going to the last game of the season. And yes, whilst it could be worse, we could be QPR. um, We could be Burnley. But it's just, if if the... Well, I think it's inevitable now. I don't like to be relying on other people and I just think I think we're going to go down and I think it, there'll be four or five games against bottom half of the table teams that we really should and could have done better in that would have seen us safe by now. So it's just kind of, I think it doesn't, it sort of hit me yesterday after the game and 
you, you could see what was going to happen for a few weeks or what I thought, but until it, until you actually get to this, like, oh, it's one game to go, you know, it, it doesn't sort of dawn on you properly. And last night, I think it was just kind of, you know, we're talking about it, it's quite, it's just, it's just, it, it hits you really and just feel like, I don't know, just feel really, really, the reality of it is just awful. So, um, yeah, and then obviously with Jake Livermore too, um, just another, another, just another bad thing to add to the list. Really, um, I think both he and Huddleston have been very disappointing this season, and I think um, I think our our problems have have stemmed from them being pretty much ineffective all season uh, for whatever reason. And you know, maybe Jake Livermore's got a a long standing problem maybe it's a one-off who knows who's not who knows what's going on off the field but you know it's just kind of kind of sums up our season really um so much potential and for whatever reason it's just not not come together so yeah I'm not the happiest I've ever been (laughs) I think Hull are going to stay up I think Hull are going to win next weekend against the United team that have nothing to play for and Newcastle will just keep on doing what Newcastle do best I just have this like I hope you're right. But I just have this feeling like we we go out and beat Manchester United and then Newcastle win. So it's like well, yeah, but, like, we've done it. There's the uh, Sam Allardyce narrative. The Sam Allardyce is going to Newcastle. It's the Sam Allardyce narrative. He's going to send his old club down, and and there's there's <laughs> no better team to go down than than, than Newcastle. There, it's uh, I think even their fans want to go down. So it basically gets rid of. It some way gets rid of Mike Ashley. It's it, uh, it, it's, it's a shambles of a team it's a shambles of a unit at least teams like Hull and Sunderland have shown some sort of fight over the, over the last couple of months where Newcastle have just stopped playing and they did the same thing last year and got lucky and, and this year it, uh, you know, it, 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 they deserve to go down Yeah, a couple of crazy stats that were brought up on the Thursday pod by Jake and Scott uh, Jake brought up that Newcastle didn't pick up a point in between February and May and then uh, Scott mentioned that that was worse than Derby when they garnered all 11 points in the worst season in, in the Premier League era. So Newcastle have now literally been the worst side in the last four months in Premier League history. And if that doesn't deserve to go down just because of early season merit. And, and they, they kind of fell into a trap of fighting so hard to go up in the table that they fell down it. Um, and, uh, you know... No disrespect to Newcastle fans or Jake Jackman, who, of course, we love here on the pod. But John Carver is one of the more idiotic humans I've ever had the misplusure of having to hear speak. Well, that's um, the thing. Most Newcastle fans will agree with you. Jake will probably yeah. exactly the same. Every, I mean, my, where I live in, 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 uh, in Scarborough, obviously, there's a lot of Newcastle fans up this, this way. And um, my cousin's a season ticket holder, and he, he, would, he would say, say exactly the same. Yeah, but they're just—it's a shambles of a team. It's a shambles of a unit, and um, it's—it's if, if anybody ever watched that Sky One program, Dream Team, back in the day, it just—it just stinks of a soap opera, just like that going on, but behind the scenes. And you know, I think next weekend, I do honestly think. I mean, what's the scenarios uh, for for Hull to stay up? Um, I think we have to. 
we have to better Newcastle's result, um, but there is a there is a there is a part of the equation where Sunderland can still go down. And I say I was sort of studying it yesterday. Um, I think they play they play Arsenal midweek, so yeah. I believe that if Arsenal beat yeah. them midweek, I think they're still right in it. And then I'm not quite sure. I'm trying to remember how it goes in terms of, but I think we can still send either of. Sunderland or Newcastle down, it gets a bit gets a bit complicated. Um, but really, I just think, yeah, we have to we have to win and cross our fingers. That's basically the scenario for us. It's it's just a shame that Steve Bruce has to play against Man United because every time he has done, he's just rolled over and had his belly tickled because it's his old club. So it's uh, hopefully he can go out. United have got nothing to play for. They'll probably have Valdez in goal, who's who's a joke of a goalkeeper and. Uh, and hopefully you'll be able to uh, win and then send uh, Newcastle down. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Don't don't hold me to this because I'm just glancing at it. But uh, it looks like if you win 2-0 and Sunderland lose 2-0 against Arsenal, then you'd be level if you win. Which which mm-hmm. Because you'd be level on goal difference because you're at negative 18, they're at negative 20. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you it's can catch either of almost, isn't it? Because if I think a, a lot of um, Sunderland fans, funnily enough, are saying that they wish they didn't have the game in hand because they're worried about the goal opportunities difference. to lose goals. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's tough. That's kind of crazy. Well, uh, we're rooting for you. As far as the podcast goes, we want Sunderland to go down because we don't have any representatives for Sunderland on. Um, but uh, obviously, we we wish you all the best um, from the from the Tottenham side of that match. Uh, we kind of didn't deserve to win, at least in the first half. It was very drab. We didn't offer much at all. Um, really not much of, of consequence happened going either way. Then, But we did start the second half well. Um, scored on a Shadley goal that may or may not have been onside. I've, uh, people are shouting yes and no on both sides, and I've seen it in super slow motion, and I'm not sure at all. I, I think he was offside if I had to pick one. Um, but there are people like, oh, if you see this, his shoelace was, you know, like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about all that. But regardless, it was an excellent ball from Lamela. Um, then we took off Ericsson and put on Dembele, and that's when we really improved. Uh, I think Ericsson is so desperately needing the summer break to come. He has one goal and one assist since February 8th. Um, so despite the fact that he's still contributing in other ways, his, his counting stats have very much dropped off. And that isn't necessarily a, an unfair reflection on his form. Um on top of that, uh, I just mentioned Lamela putting in an excellent through ball. Uh, Mason had an awesome lofted through ball to Danny Rose um, for a, a nice goal. Real, real uh, poacher's finish uh, that, that he took very well. And both Mason and Lamela with the two assists uh, had an excellent match. And I've, I've kind of judged them both a lot recently for, for not being good enough. Um, but I was, I was uh, very pleased to be wrong on this instance as both put in excellent shifts. Um, Federico Fazio continues to get starts because Kyle Walker is hurt, so Eric Dyer, who's preferred, is pushed over to right back, and he made more mistakes again, and it's it's one of the more disappointing buys of the season. We knew we wanted Masakio, we brought in Fazio instead, the same way that we brought in Stambul instead of Schneiderlin, but we had him, and for for a nice run of like October to January, Fazio was excellent. He was dominating in the air, his positioning was great. He did tend to have like a mistake in him match, but... With Jan next to him and Hugo behind him, we were able to like mitigate that to some extent. Uh, but recently, he's he's just been making horrible, horrible mistakes. Um, 
allowing some some of the chances in, uh, including a couple by Yelovich that possibly could have been taken better by him. Um, Danny Rose was tremendous again, and there, Harry Kane just won uh, the supporters' clubs player of the season and Tottenham's player of the season. Uh, but if he wasn't a striker or if he had scored 17 goals instead of 20, I honestly think that Danny Rose should have won it. Whether or not he'd get the recognition to be able to do it as a left back, I kind of doubt, but he was tremendous again. And later, if we have time slash when we get to player watch, um, I didn't even bother putting Danny Rose as my player of the match because it's gotten to the point where him, Erickson, and Lloris, I, I won't even mention if they have a great game because now that's the, the standard. Um, he did show up with red hair, which caused a Twitter explosion and all the Tottenham fans were like, oh, go off to Arsenal, rah, rah. and all the Arsenal people were like, ah, your best player wants to go to Arsenal. And we are like, that's not our best player. Anyway, it was all very silly. And in the post-match uh, presser, he, he came out and said, oh, I went to the hairstylist yesterday. It was meant to be purple, and I woke up. It was red. What a horrible morning. And then all the Tottenham fans are like, oh, well, that's okay. He meant it to be purple. And everybody's glossing over it. Why the hell did you want purple hair for the last home match of the season? It doesn't Dutch even make Fiorentina. sense. <laughs> yeah, who we got knocked out in the Europa League by. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was his petition to bring Micah Richards to the club. Um, but, yeah, I have absolutely no idea why he wanted to get purple hair. But that's fine. Um, obviously we had lap of honor. It was the last match at white Hart lane this season. Uh, and it is interesting, uh, to, to see what happens with Hugo and Jan. A lot of people kind of bringing up that, you know, maybe this is the last time we've seen them at white Hart lane, which would be more sad for Hugo than Jan. As I mentioned before, I think we could get in a replacement for Jan for pretty decent price. looks like we've already brought Vimmer in Alderweireld still floating around, um, I love Jan Vertonghen, but his name is bigger than his ability at this point. And he's been much better this year than last year, but only half as good as he was his first year. Um, and whether that you think that's like how much we're pushing for things, like we were really pushing for fourth, we had Bale, we had AVB, we're getting better every week, and now we're not. Maybe, maybe that's playing a factor. I don't know if the Dembele stuff has anything to do with this, but... Uh, so there would be worse things than, than losing Jan, but there isn't a worse thing than losing Hugo, who has absolutely saved us time and time, and time again this season. Um, and hopefully we will get to see him back next season. All right, and now we are moving on to the topic. We touched on it a little bit earlier in Mark's uh, making the rounds, but uh, obviously Steven Gerrard's leaving, and a lot of people talked about him retiring, and a lot of people use the phrase one-club man, despite the fact He's moving to the Los Angeles Galaxy in like a month. Um, so what I want to discuss is, are we kind of seeing the end of the one club men era? Do you think we'll ever get back there again? Is it something we should expect from our players? Just how do you feel about this whole concept of, you know, like specific club loyalty? Well, first of all, uh, what I will say is not much has been said about it being Steven Gerrard's last home game for Liverpool this week. So I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> hasn't been all over the place at all. Um, but um, in terms of the, the one-club man thing, I was trying to think kind of through Arsenal squad. And the, fir- the person who comes to mind who is a potential one-club man for Arsenal is Jack Wilshire. Um, he's been with the club since he was in single digits in terms of age. And in spite of being linked to Manchester City, etc., I think that would be a move more for them to have more homegrown players in their squad than necessarily thinking he could fit in there. I'm sure he could fit in there, 
but I can't I can't see a place for him in that side the way it's set up at the moment because he's not a replacement for Yaya Toure if Yaya Toure leaves he's not the same sort of player um, but in terms of whether one club men um, are going to be as much of a thing I don't think they will be I mean John Terry once he goes that's another one gone from Chelsea um, I don't. I think that age is sort of gone because of the way that people can move around the world now as well. It, when it was a rarity that people moved overseas, I think it was more common for people to kind of choose a, a, a club and try and stick with them. Um, but I, I've got to say, I don't think it matters too much. Um, I think it, it, it's a kind of misguided thing from a fan's point of view to expect a certain level of loyalty from players. And you've said it on the podcast before, Kev, I think, about the fact that when it's someone poaching and having a look at one of your players, you're incensed that they would want to, they dare want to leave. Yeah. Um, how, 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 can, how could Hugo Lloris want to leave? You know, he, we've, we've made him into the player he is. He should stay here for the rest of his career. But then as soon as you're looking at a player that's developed at another club and hoping to bring him in, you're thinking, well, of course, we, of course he'll want to come in. So it kind of depends on what, sort of the, what side of the divide you're on. And I don't think we should necessarily expect players to stay at one club if there are better opportunities at other club. Um, or other, other clubs. And I, I, I take as an example of that Robin Van Persie. Um, people were, Arsenal fans were incensed when he left the club and a lot of people still haven't, you know, they're taking pleasure in the fact that he's made As evidenced by off. today. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they're taking pleasure in the fact that he's fallen off in form and that he went over there and then was let down by Alex Ferguson, who I think intimated that he wasn't going to only last another season. Um, but the fact is, all of those Arsenal fans who had a go at Robin Van Persie for that move, and that is, this is kind of my argument about whether or not a one-club man thing as a microcosm. All the people who had a go at Robin Van Persie, if any one of them, those of them who have jobs, I'm assuming a lot of them do, most people do, if they were working for a particular company and then a more successful company up the road offered them double the money to move to that company, they would move. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. It's Robin Van Persie's job. He wants to be at a more successful club, which Manchester United were at the time. Now we're kind of more on an even keel, but it looked like the potential was higher at Manchester United. They were offering more money than Arsenal workers. We were still playing, paying off the Emirates at the time. So, of course, he's going to move. And the people who expect him to be loyal, um, then I would completely expect that if they're offered more money at another company where the prospects are better that they'd turn it down as well through blind loyalty because um because otherwise they they wouldn't have anything to say so i don't i don't think it matters too much if if the age of the in inverted one club man is over um because i think just the way the game is now people are going to be moving from club to club throughout their careers and uh i, I don't see it being a problem Mark, seems like you would be the, the most appropriate person to answer this as Jared is the one leaving. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's very, very rare that it's going to happen again, especially at, 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 at the top, top teams. Um, and, and again, I ain't got, I ain't got a problem with it. It's, um, 
it's 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 a, it's a thing of the past really and uh, i've never really understood the fascination of having uh, one player stay at the club for for the whole time um obviously someone of gerard's gerard's uh skill level and is just fascination and and cuz he's such a big supporter of the club has obviously meant that when big teams have come calling is even though his head has been turned, he's, he's stuck loyal to the cause because he, he he loves the club so much. But you know, moving forward, uh, there, there may be a player who, who who sticks around for a long time, but it never does anybody any harm to go and experience different leagues, different ways of coaching, different cultures, different experiences. It not only improves him as a person, but it improves him as a player. And if they've got any ambitions in later life, it'll improve him as a a coach and uh, and a manager. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's he's off to go and have a year in. Uh, well, he went in probably last a year, a couple of months in uh, in, in USA. Uh, I, I he said something quite funny last week that he's never actually been to LA before. So all the best with that if you've never been. He's apparently <laughs> living in. He's apparently living in Malibu. So much sunburn. Yeah, he apparently he's going to be living in Malibu, and he's going to have to deal with that traffic to get down to the uh, to the coach uh, to, to training ground because they they train down near uh, Long Beach way, and anybody who's been to Los Angeles that's a ridiculous commute, a daily commute, especially with the traffic that they have down there. So um, I, I can't I I can't see I can see his wife loving uh, uh, Los Angeles more more than he will, and I reckon he'll be probably back in Liverpool by January time. He'll be training with the team in January, a la like Henri used to do, and and whatnot. And he'll uh, he'll, he'll leave after after a year of uh, of getting a different experience. But I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I would be very surprised in my sort of the next sort of uh, 20 30 40 years if there's another player in the top level and I'm not talking like sort of lower lower l- lower sort of level of the leagues or whatnot of a, of a player sticking around for 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 the whole of a career it's interesting mark actually you mentioned um, Henri going back to train with Arsenal that actually led to him coming back on loan uh, what do you make of Jamie Carragher warning Gerard off i don't know if you've seen this but Jamie yeah. Carragher has said that he shouldn't um come back and to come on loan and he should just kind of savour his Liverpool memories is the way Sky Sports News are putting it. Absolutely agree. It'll be the biggest mistake if he comes back because this this season and, and one of the reasons why we maybe haven't got into that top four is the Steven Gerrard conundrum and, and the and Brendan Rodgers just feels like he has to play him. And it's it's cost us in some games. I mean, if anybody watched yesterday, Gerard was was a passenger. He wasn't even in breaking speed because uh, he, he just got caught up, caught up in the occasion. And it's not the first time this season. Um, he's had an amazing career. He's been. I mean, I've been so lucky to see him playing playing some of the biggest games. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have seen so many trophy wins over, over the years. And He's uh, had, had a great sort of ish season last year, last last five months of the season. Um, he's 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 played in he's played one or two good games this year. Uh, he should just bow out. That send off on I don't even think he should play on on Saturday or Sunday against Stoke. I think that should be his final appearance. That should be him bowing out because it was such a good way to leave uh, and like the, the 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 whole build up to it and whatnot. He, he should never play again for Liverpool when he comes back in. January train by all means go and 
coach the uh, the kids you know get do do whatever he's got to do he's off to go do his badges now do a bit of coaching do a bit of scouting whatever he needs to do for the club sort of see how, how the other side works but he, sh- he shouldn't be uh, getting on on the pitch that's that's that's, that's for sure Let's face it, if, if Liverpool a few years ago had slid down to sort of 14th, 15th in the Premier League and they weren't... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The standard of club to be challenging for things. Gerard wouldn't be there anymore. Um, I guess he's got lucky that he's, you know, he he joined a club he, you know, he he, he sort of dedicated himself to and, and they've had, well, relatively good success over the time he's been there. Um, all right, they haven't been, they haven't done as well as they would. But um, yeah, if they hadn't have been in that position, he he wouldn't still be there. So I think it's um, it's all very nice, and um, you know, I think he's obviously he's had a fantastic career, fantastic player. But I, any, it's not. I don't think it's going to be the way that you see many of the likes of Steven Gerrard anymore. We mentioned John Terry. Um, there's, I mean, in terms of Hull City, I guess Steve Harper, obviously before he came to us, had, was it 19 years at Newcastle? Something like that. Um, that's just a guess. But he was a obviously a long a long servant of Newcastle. Um, those sort of players, that the, they're not going to be around anymore. And let's face it, who can blame them? Um like I forget who said it just before, but I think that you know if you're offered, like you say, double the amount of money um, in a different part of the country with with a team that's got more chance of winning things, you can't blame these guys for moving. Um, there's no the club don't particularly show the players any loyalty and vice versa. Really, it's not like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's not you're not going to see it. Um, it's it's nice when. I mean, we had the likes of obviously Dean Windus and Nick Barnby, who were our two sort of high-profile Hull players, and they both obviously um, went on to play for 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 other clubs because they were wanting bigger and better things and um, come back to Hull at the end of their careers and did all right. So it's those type of players, and obviously, I think if if Hull City had been um, a bigger club at the time. You know, you think maybe maybe those those two players would have would have stuck around, but yeah, I think nobody can. It's not football's not like that anymore. Um, so and just I think on Steven Gerrard, there's been a lot of obviously a lot of hype and things, but um, I don't think we'll see many many more like him. Not just staying with one club, but just a you know just really a really good professional like he is and a and a great captain. Um, 
And yeah, I just think it's. I think we've been very fortunate to to be able to to have him in the Premier League, and hopefully he'll do, you know, go go to America and have a bit of a easy time and get a bit of sun. <laughs> yeah, um, Tottenham haven't had many. Just Ludley and Bill Nick come to mind that, that have been there the whole time. Um, we we've talked about this a couple of times in in different ways. Um, as far as us towards player loyalty, and, and Charlotte kind of touched on it there, uh, Gerard was at a club that was at his level. Terry is at a club that's at his level. Um, and, you know, Ledley was kind of stuck with us because of knee injuries. Um, uh, they, they, were, they were approximate. And I, I do think he sacrificed a few big moves. Obviously, Mourinho can't stop talking about him ever and says that he always tried to take him with him. Um, but... Tottenham are, are kind of in this awkward place where we constantly have players that are above and below our level. There are very few players that are like just shy of elite because most of them are pressing on to becoming great or kind of deteriorating and coming back through kind of the way uh, Vandervaart did. Um, but uh, I, I offhandedly mentioned who I thought was on Tottenham's Champions League team that's still at the club. That was just five years ago. Um, if Lennon and Kabul leave, which it looks very likely... <laughs> then the only player from the Champions League tournament phase squad that we had will be Tom Carroll, who's currently alone at Swansea. That's the only one. Uh, and, and so I I don't know. I, I understand that uh, it's, it's, from a business perspective, hard to hold players to a standard of having to stay at one club. But stats like that are ridiculous. Um, so, so for me, I, I think that we might actually see kind of a change we're definitely seeing a downturn um in kind of one club men uh throughout football uh roma probably have the two highest profile with tati and and de rossi but um i think we might see kind of a resurgence of this going forward if financial fair play actually starts working um and if squad requirements continue to, to shape and mold going forward, because we're starting to see, you know, like Steve mentioned earlier, like Jack Wilshere is being linked to City and Chelsea because they need English and homegrown players. It's the same reason Danny Rose is being linked to those clubs. And I think Sterling will eventually get linked to those clubs because right now he's being linked abroad. But Sterling to City makes so much sense to me where he just wants money. City just want an English player and they need pace. I don't know. If Sterling to Chelsea makes a lot more sense. You think? Yeah. They, they have so many wingers. Why would they? Yeah, well, it's someone like Sterling. He's, he's, uh, I think he's you're going to do a Sterling for Milner swap. Not in a swap deal, but I think that, that might be what ends up happening. Much well, to everyone's chagrin. Whoever throws him the most money at the moment. I, I, at the present moment in time, I think he'll stay. Mm. Uh, Sterling, he'll, he'll sign a contract. Let's put it that way. He'll sign a contract and probably stick around for another year. Uh, minimum. His but, form uh, dropped at a really unfortunate time in him demanding to have 150k a week. Yeah, exactly. And it does play on, you know, everybody thinks that footballers are, are like robots and they just, nothing affects them. When they step on that pitch, it doesn't matter uh, how much sleep they've had, doesn't matter what's going on in their personal life or, or in contract negotiations. They think that every single time they step out on that pitch, they should perform at FIFA levels. It, it don't work like that. <laughs> and yeah. Ever, ever since, um, he did that very poorly advised BBC interview. His form has, has, has been very up and down. And he, he was shocking at Anfield yesterday. And it, it sort of hit home, really, how much the crowd had turned on it. Yeah. When 85th he was minute, a hero he, for the first half. 
Yeah, exactly. 85th minute when we're losing 2-1, he tries to do a bit of skill and it, it comes off his uh, heel and goes out for a goal kick. You could just see certain people in the cop get up and vi- visibly give him abuse and he's, he's not used to it. He, he doesn't like it. But um, there's a whole uh, backstory with the whole Sterling contract negotiations, which is a podcast in itself and I won't bore you with it, but <laughs> his new agent, let's put it that way, um, is uh, he's trying to just basically get a really big first deal for his most high-profile client, and and uh, which he's he's prying, you know, he's negotiating from a position of power now, where at the moment he's on ridiculous, like Harry Kane, like you were telling me, Harry Kane, he was on like five pound a week or something stupid like that, <laughs> and he, he starts scoring goals, and every week he's signing a new contract because he just keeps yeah. hitting targets and whatnot. Sterling's in a similar position where he's on a really low contract. He's coming up for a negotiation and he is one of our probably top five players and he wants to get paid like he's a top five um, player at the club. He's looking at Glenn Johnson, who's on <laughs> over 100 grand a week. And like, he's seriously? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Glenn, Glenn Johnson. And um, I think they're going to wait to get rid of Glenn Johnson off the wage bill, get Steven Gerrard off the wage bill. Well, open negotiations in the Colo summer. Colo as well, or do you think you'll bring him back? Colo staying. He's, he's going to sign a contract. He's going to sign a new contract. Um, but um, the the club are just... I mean, he said himself, he said even at this interview, that they're going to talk about it again in the summer, get the season out of the way. There's a lot of players who are going to sign new uh, contracts, and uh, Sterling will probably be one of them. But Suarez signed a contract December 2014, and he was off uh, six months later. So... Just because signing a contract doesn't really mean much, it just means that we'll give ourselves more money when we do eventually uh, sell him. I mean, yeah. if, if 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 City were, were silly enough this summer, because they're going to spend big this summer, Man City are going to spend a lot of money because they have to. They've got an agent. They'll have to squad. sell to do it though. Uh, yeah, definitely. They are restricted by FFP, but they will they 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 will sell and they will buy and they'll probably buy before they do sell, but. Um, if if they want to come to us and say is an extortionate amount of money, uh, the, the the club uh, as long as they've got a decent person lined up, which is not an easy thing, then you know the, the club the club might might look at selling him. But um, well, I think there might be a gang war between Tottenham and Liverpool for Konoplyanka if if stuff like that happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Everton. I, I think I think that ship has sailed with Liverpool personally. Mm. Uh, um, I, I think I think that that was uh, that was so 2014. Kev. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's uh, on a free, so he is, he is on a free, and there's a lot of very good frees. I mean, Liverpool are off for uh, what Milner, Ings, free, free, Montoya at Barcelona, free. Go back for Conor Plant for free. I don't think we're actually going to spend any money. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, but I mean, like I say, the, the the perfect fit for me going back to the start of that. He's Sterling to Chelsea. He wants to go back to London. His mum's mm-hmm. moved back to London, so I mean, he's, he's where he is. And Chelsea would love a player like Raheem Sterling uh, at the club. Is is a is a Mourinho type player. Um, they have got a lot of players, but Chelsea have proven they can easily shift on a, a, one of their top class squad players. It'd probably profit. be Quadrado, as crazy as that would be. Yeah, um, which is which is madness. Yeah. So going from that to talking about FFP will be fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, if, if FFP um, starts restricting players more, it'll be harder for these players to keep bringing in uh, as many established foreign stars. If the squad requirement number goes up, as has been mentioned and proposed, 
then these teams would have to be playing more and more English players. I think we could actually kind of see a resurgence in kind of one club players where being young and English will not only be coveted um, for like a marketing standpoint, but it will also be favored on the pitch. Um, and so with, with that, you'd have kind of this nice loop of there aren't as many foreign players blocking spots, so more English players are getting more playing time early, which means they're developing into stars, which means the clubs will want to keep them. And you could like get this positive spiral, which is what happened in Germany when they, they had all that TV right issue. Um, so I, I think we could actually see it come back again. I, I wish I could... Uh, I, I tend to be pretty cynical on here. Um, and I wish I could just write off kind of the, the theory of one club men and stuff. But I, I want it. I, I want it to happen. It's why, you know, this season and last season, the difference is Harry Kane. The difference is there's like a face, a very mouth-breathy face, but a face to associate between the players in the club. This is a player that was a fan that's been here forever. Have at it. Have a fun time. So we have a young English player that's our best player right now. Um, well, that's a lie. <laughs> he's, he's our most improved player. Um, and so it's, it, you know, it's kind of given us reason to hope again, as crazy and cliche as that sounds. Um, maybe what will happen, sorry, I was going to say, maybe what hmm. will happen is maybe the one club mentality might not happen, but what we'll get is we'll get a lot more, like in Italy, where players just, just go from one club to another quite a lot. You know, like yeah. uh, in, in, instead of sticking around to one club, they'll sort of say, you know, start their career at, Arsenal, maybe move on to Man City, maybe go across. Yeah, you know, we'll in country. Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be the scenario that'll, that that would happen more than sticking around at one club because, uh, or it'll be a case where they they'll all basically build up. You know, they they'll start off at a mid-table club and then they'll get signed by the big boys. They'll, they'll you know they'll either get into the starting lineup or they'll be squad players and then they'll drop back down to the mid-table. They'll do a they'll Scott be, Sinclair, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Just and, and yeah. obviously, the more money that there are, the more agents that are in there to the game, they'll get lots of signing on fees. You know, because every time uh, you move, you get more money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there'll be more money, and play, players will just become more more rich, and then there'll be less players sticking around because they can move on and get a tank full of money, and then retire off to uh, Dubai when they're older. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all of that is, is very well uh, stated. Um, if this happened, much like what happened in Germany, uh, the Premier League would very quickly fall out of that, are we the best league in the world conversation? But then you see where Germany are now, because they have a whole bunch of German internationals that have just swamped through the ranks. You know, only half of them are actually German, but that's a whole different issue for a different <laughs> podcast. So, um, but they have all this homegrown talent, which I guess is really what I should be going for more than nationality. Is They have all this talent that came through the academies and then blossomed through teams that had holes. Because they weren't able to go out and buy all your superstars except for Munich. Um so I, I, I think this would be a really fun thing to watch. And I think it, it, it echoes my thoughts on Tottenham. Um, well, for most of the season, you can find many times that have contradicted this in the past month or so. But um, that I, I would rather us have like a nice young core. Like you, you've heard Harry Kane come out and talk about how uh, he loves playing for Tottenham right now. It's amazing because it's just playing football with his mates. Because him and Bentaleb and, well... Mostly him, Mason, and and Rose and Walker have been there for ages. Well, Walker not as much so. But those three have been there forever. And then Bentaleb was there for a while. And then Walker was there for a while. And, and so you're getting like all these players that have played together forever. And so getting that kind of cohesion is worth it to me to finish 6th to 8th, which is what I said at the beginning of the season. 
Like that's absolutely fine as long as we kind of establish ourselves going forward and do so with young talent. Especially with the stadium build coming, we have to grow good players. We don't have the money to go out and buy them. So uh, anyway, kind of summing this up, I want there to be one club men, and I think it will happen more, not immediately, but maybe over the next three or four years, we'll start seeing that crop start. <laughs> We're not going to see those players retiring the next three to four years, but like a decade from now, we'll be looking back and I think we'll find that we have more than even we're having right now of players that came up through one club and stayed, unless uh, Mark's Italy point comes true, which is also entirely possible. All right, and from there we will move on to Player Watch, where we're going to discuss a player that impressed us and a player that disappointed for our clubs this weekend. We'll start off with Steve and Arsenal. Um, it's quite a difficult one, actually. Um, from the impressive, which which is a, a bit of a shame, um, not just this weekend, but for this week. Obviously, we didn't take our chances against Swansea, so and no particular player looked like they were going to break through. Um, and then the first sixty minutes against United, we didn't play our best either. So really, looking at the last half hour against Man United, Aaron Ramsey played pretty well, I guess. Um, He's done really well recently, generally playing from the right-hand side, which isn't necessarily his most comfortable position, so I think he deserves some credit. Um, but arguably, given the amount of pressure we were under during the Manchester United game, I think uh, Lauren Koscielny should be uh, should be given a lot of credit. I think he should be given more credit than he is in general, actually. He's a very quiet little defensive force in the middle of that Arsenal side, and the statistics show that when he doesn't play, we are a lot worse off. Um, and he did put in a couple of very good challenges and, and but a lot of his defensive work isn't making the challenges it's being in the right place reading the game and making the interceptions um, so he did well again today and he did cut out a few dangerous looking passes in the, uh, in the final or in United's final third so so second place Aaron Ramsey I guess but but Koscielny I think for, for his play during that first first section of today's game um, in terms of disappointed, um, I was going to go with Cthulhu, in spite of the fact that I love Cthulhu. He's a fantastic player, another quite underrated player, actually, because a, a lot of the focus goes on Sanchez and Ozil. Um, but today, he, he just wasn't at the races. His passing wasn't as crisp as it usually was. He wasn't able to get out of the tight situations he usually finds himself in. Um, but special mention has to go to Matteo Flamini, who, although I did say it was a good move by Wenger to bring him on, in theory, because it obviously was a case of shutting up shop, shop and being pragmatic by bringing on defensive midfielder, having got the goal that we needed. In the five minutes he was on, he managed to give the, wall, give the ball away twice um, with poor passes in dangerous areas and leave a huge gap in midfield during a United attack that went straight through the area where he should have been because he, he was drawn out onto the wing. Um, which is something that um, Coquelin doesn't do very often. He sits in the middle, and Flamini just doesn't have that level of um, discipline to sit in the middle. And, and there was a, it was a noticeable gap in the middle of midfield that hadn't be, hadn't been there for the uh, rest of the game. So, uh, so Flamini, I think, would probably be the most disappointing, in spite of the fact that he was only on the pitch for about well for injury time, essentially. All right, Mark uh, <laughs> kind of joked about. Gerard, earlier, uh, there were other people on the pitch. Who do you think uh, impressed and disappointed? Uh, impressed. I was uh, quite impressed with Balassi and, and Punchin for uh, Crystal <laughs> Palace. 
uh, Pardew actually mixed around his uh, his formation and put Balassi up top in a, in, a, in a top two, and it, it looked quite well. If if he wants to keep on uh, giving that formation a crack next year, I can see him uh, see him doing doing well. He just needs to get more goals, Balassi. He hasn't scored many, um, but he's he's definite player, and he he had Liverpool's. Uh, Back free all over the shot yesterday, including uh, Dejan. I hope he never plays Liverpool again. Lovren, um, Liverpool-wise, uh, it's hard. Really, I mean, it was it was a post-season friendly yesterday. Don't let anybody fool you otherwise. It was the Steven Gerrard show. But it, um, one player I really wish uh, would get uh, would get some form of award this season is Simon Mignolet. Uh, he could potentially get the clean sheet award uh, if they keep uh, a clean sheet against Stoke next week, and and uh, people like Hart and uh, Foster and um, in Courtois don't in 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 their last game. It, it would be amazing for him to come out of this season with some sort of uh, of a award recognition because he's gone through possibly one of the worst seasons of of, of his career uh, from from being to a point where. He was dropped for Brad Jones, and this is Brad Jones, uh, possibly one of the worst goalkeepers I've I've seen in in the Liverpool shirt uh, for for a long, long time. This is Brad Jones, who's not even the Australian number one, and he's our reserve keeper. So from going from there to coming back to being in a position where he could get awarded the you know the most clean sheets in a, in a year, I think would be really good to see. And you know he got the penalty save uh, in, in the diamond. It's unfortunately none of his defenders actually bothered to to actually think that there might be a follow up uh, for, for for the fella to score. But yeah, Simon Mignolet for Liverpool, Balassi and and Punchin for Palace. Um, yeah, I think I didn't. As I say, I didn't go to the game, but I've sort of read and heard a lot about it. And um, I think, again, probably mentioned two players that have in the recent weeks really shown the sort of commitment and desire that, frankly, most of the team haven't. Um, And I would say Robbie Brady and Michael Dawson, for me, um, you know, yesterday and and in the last few games have been one of only sort of two or three that I think can walk off the pitch and say, yeah, I've I've done everything I can. Brady kind of struggled. He, he started off uh, beginning of last season really fantastic and had a couple of quite bad injuries. Um, struggled to get back and playing how we knew he could, but he started to be a lot more prominent in the last few weeks. And he's just got something that a lot of our players, frankly, don't. And the, he, I don't know if it's the because all the Irish lads seem to be the shapes like McShane as well, uh, Myler and Quinn, and they've just got a bit of bit of spirit and a bit of heart, which I really like to see. And Robbie Brady, out of those four, I think has, has obviously got a lot of talent as well. They all they're all really good players, but Brady particularly um, and a lot more potential. So I'm really glad that he started playing how we know he can. Um, and again, Dawson, it was nice to see, to hear that he, he had a decent game yesterday because obviously going back to Tottenham, you know, he'll have wanted to to put in a good a good account of himself. So um, I'm really pleased that he did. Um, I think, unfortunately, our other Tottenham friend, ex-Tottenham friend, uh, Mr Huddleston, I think it seems that again, yet again, he maybe didn't offer a great deal. Um, he was just again, run around all matched by Mason and Bentaleb. It was crazy. He's it, it, so slow and, and 
he's, I know he's a big chap and everything, and he hasn't got the maybe the physique to be darting around really fast. But his 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 game has always been his passing, you know, and the accuracy of his passing. And I mean, he's got a fantastic, he's capable of a fantastic shot. But we just too too often this season, team teams just target him and work him out and. When Livermore's been playing, the passing between the two of them in front of their defence has been shocking. And the amount of goals we've conceded from just giving the ball away really, really cheaply. And frankly, he just looks half asleep and too slow and too, just too, I don't know, something's, something's not right with him. Um, and it's, it's just hugely disappointing. Um, I was, I was quite, I was, I was very, very optimistic, very excited when we signed him. Um, I thought it was still of an age to to that we could get something out of him uh, for a good a good few years, and he just um, frankly he's been shocking, and um, yeah, really really disappointed. But that kind of sums up sums up his season really with us. Yeah, um, for us, I, like I said, Danny Rose was probably our, our inarguably our man of the match, but I'm going to go with Ryan Mason, who I've I've been very harsh on lately. Um, a lot due to his positioning, somewhat due to his passing, <laughs> you know, saying he's basically a placeholder for someone to come in in the summer. Um, but he did show, you know, all of the strengths of his game in this match. Like I, like we just talked about with Huddleston, he he really couldn't catch up to the pace of play that was going on in the midfield uh, with Bentaleb, Erickson, and, and Mason all kind of turning everyone around. And then once we put on Dembele, it really just cut through that midfield pretty pretty easily. Um, but Mason's passing was excellent the whole match. He didn't get caught out defensively, which is probably his biggest weakness. Uh, is he, When he needs to track back, he just looks clueless all of the time, um, which is a problem in, in a team that sets up with a 4-2-3-1. You need to at least have some concept of what you're doing back there. Um, but <laughs> somehow I'm being negative about how he was positive last match. But uh, he, he was very impressive for me, and, and the lobbed uh, pass into Rose was was very very well done. Uh, player that disappointed I mentioned before Federico Fazio. He was kind of supposed to be our great hope at the in defense. He was going to be six five. He was going to come in. He was going to win every header unless it was you know against a, a, a striker that has any size whatsoever. Um, just been very very disappointing on the whole. Uh, and you know we were like we got Sevilla's captain. He's the one that led him to Europa League final, which they did again this year without him. So. Maybe <laughs> we overestimated his influence in that. Um, still think he has a place at the club. I, I think using him in Europa League is probably preferred. I think Eric Dyer has pretty clearly uh, stepped past him in terms of who would be preferred and overall ability uh, at that right center back position. All right, and usually we don't have match previews during a Sunday podcast, but Arsenal are facing Sunderland midweek. Steve, what do you see coming out of that match? Well... Uh, for what it's worth, Charlotte, of the uh, three teams who could go down uh, in the last day of the season, Hull are the one team I would like to see in the Premier League next year. So I am hoping for a big Arsenal win. Um, please, to help yes, you please out. do that. <laughs> <laughs> help you out with the uh, help you out both with the points and with the goal difference as well. Um, there's a potential there for a big Arsenal win. We could do with something to get us back in the groove after two kind of stilted games, particularly coming going towards the FA Cup final. There's an outside chance if City drop points of second place as well. So the motivation should be there. Um, hoping for a big win, but 
any kind of win will do, to be honest. Anything else would be really disappointing uh, at this stage. Um, and as I said before, I do know one or two Sunderland fans who are genuinely dreading it and wish they didn't have the game in hand. Um, if it, if they'd had a game in hand against someone a bit lower down or someone else in the uh, in the race, then perhaps they would have relished the opportunity to pick up a few points. But I think for them, going to the Emirates when they know that a better goal difference could be as good as a point, I think they're dreading it a little bit. So hopefully Arsenal can uh, can make that come true. But we shall see. My fantasy football team hopes that Arsenal have a very good week. I've got Sanchez, Ozil and uh, Giroud, so I hopefully they oh, do well, there something. You go. One each for them, that would do. Two I each, frankly, I need it. <laughs> frankly, Arsenal owe us, um, owe us a bit of happiness and joy because it was actually a year ago by the date today that Frank did just shattered our dreams and broke my heart at Wembley. So you was you was a bit. <laughs> there is that, yeah. It was it was yeah, a day ago. It was a year ago today, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And North we London needs hot. to quit abusing Hull. First, we give you all of our coked out ex players. Arsenal knock you out of cups. Somebody <laughs> needs to do something nice. Yeah, yeah so we'll please, do our best. Please, please beat Sunderland five 0 <laughs> I'll I'll, um, I'll email Arsen and say it's really important that we get a lot of goals. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I was going to say for the first time ever, I'll be rooting for Arsenal, but I, I, I won't. (laughs) Can't do it. Can't can't do it, can you? (laughs) No. I like to think I'm a nice guy. That's that's hard for me. I'm I'm sorry, Charlotte. I I, here. I'll say this. I hope Sunderland lose, and I just won't think about how it's going to (laughs) happen. You should just dye your hair red like Danny Rose. It was meant to be purple. Why was it supposed to be purple, Danny? We're getting off track. All right. And uh, from there, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now be a good time. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for listening, as ever. Um, I'm Steve. I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, you can find me at Fine Pub Sport on Twitter. FinePubSport.com is the uh, website where you can put in your postcode or your town and find uh, nearby pubs or venues or find new places to watch live sports. So go and do that if you're at a loose end. Yeah, uh, thanks for for listening uh, as well. Uh, my name is Mark Simpson. I uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Mark Simpson if you if you want to do so. Yeah, thanks very much for for listening, and hopefully it won't be the last time that we're uh, we're on because hopefully we won't be in the championship next season but yeah um yeah i'm charlotte from tigerlink and uh yeah check out our website website tigerlink.co.uk we're also on twitter and facebook hcafc tigerlink just a really really quick mention um we're just sort of helping out a young lad called ollie housley from hull um who's who's been inspired to push for a statue of Ebenezer Cobb Morley, um, who's from our city, who is kind of acknowledged as the founder of modern day football, uh, first, I think, first president of the FA and contributed towards making the rules of the game. So a hugely significant chap uh, who hasn't got much recognition in the city. Um, we have the city of culture status for 2017 and uh, Ollie and well, lots more people are trying to push for a, a, a statue outside the KC Stadium. Um, so if you want to have a look at the at Twitter at 4Statue, um, check out Ollie's campaign. And yeah, we're just hoping to start 
sort of raising the profile and hopefully getting some cash, which would be good. So yeah, check that out if you don't mind. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. I had an article go up about how statistically none of the recently promoted sides should have gone down, yet Burnley and QPR managed to. Uh, with a very small percentage window of being able to do so, and they both nailed it. Um, hopefully, Hull don't join them soon. Uh, I do fantasy rankings over at Playtaga, so check those out. Uh, if you want to reach me personally, I'm on Twitter at Kevroth, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.